Thanks for joining us for today's message. Our mission here at Plum Creek is to help you experience intimacy with God, intentionality with family, and influence with others. Our hope is that what you hear today will impact and challenge you to love God and the people around you in a whole new way. We'd encourage you to check us out online at PlumCreekOnline.com to see how Plum Creek is impacting our community and what opportunities we might have for you or for your family to get connected. If you'd like to support the ministry we're doing here in Castle Rock, the two easiest ways are through our website, plumcreekonline.com give or via text. Just text any dollar amount to 720-606-5563. Thanks again for joining us today. Thank you for being here. Uh, today, apparently there were a lot of people trick-or-treating last night because you're all here this morning. So thank you for your flexibility be nice to each other in the parking lot please and by the way you laugh at Jonathan's jokes about me going 45 minutes I'll go 50 yeah (laughs) just kidding that's awesome thank you for being here like you said we're in the uh, fourth week of a series that we've called beyond and the whole idea in this series is that we we want to pass a legacy on to the young people that are part of our community that are part of our church family that are part of our families, right? We want to do a good job with passing our heritage on. There's lots of things that we want to live beyond us, but the most important thing that the church can do is pass our love for Jesus on to the kids that are part of this church and part of our communities and most importantly in our families. And if you're a parent, you understand that. If you aren't a parent, listen to me. We so need help. Because I want my kids to see people that are passionate about Jesus in each and every person that they come into contact with. I want them to see that in your life. And many of you are involved in very significant ways in the community around us. And you're 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 educators, you're teachers, you're coaches, you're, you're helping collaborate with others to invest in the young people that are in our community. You have young people that live in your neighborhood that are watching you. They're, they're looking at you. They're trying to understand how to do life by watching us do life, and we have a responsibility with that. If you have your Bibles or your smartphones, your iPad, whatever it is that you have your Bible on these days, if you could turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to look at a really, really awesome passage of Scripture today. Last week, we talked a little bit about how our culture says that success in raising our kids is that they would be well-rounded, well-educated, and happy kids. But we know there's got to be more than that. There has to be more than that. And if you're like me, you want your faith to live beyond yourself. You want it to live into your children and into your grandchildren. And last week, we talked about how really we should have a different perspective that we want to to be be called, that we're called to unleash Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers. That's what God wants us to do. But we better have a plan to do that, right? That doesn't happen by accident. We have to have a plan for the way that we invest in our children. And this is one of the things that I am most passionate about in my life. And what I want to do today is talk about an intentional investment in our kids. Uh, We talked about the importance of having a first generation faith, not something that you just kind of, that you just kind of have because grandma had it or mom had it or someone else had it. It has to be personal to us. We want a first generation First generation faith. And what I want to do today is unpack how we can do this. And I love what Gary said this week. Uh, One of our pastors will say it every week. We're about God, family, and others. And if you remember, rewind. It's November. Here we go. Rewind to January. Remember, we, we talked about just seeking the Lord for a word. And my word was intentional. Well, that fits with our family. That's what we say about the family piece of our priorities and the way that we live our lives, that we would live intentionally in our families, that we would be intentional as 
as husbands, that we'd be intentional as moms and dads, that we'd be intentional as wives, and we'd be intentional as grandparents and uncles and aunts, and that we would intentionally influence the lives of those around us. Uh, So I I just have been amazed as I've thought this week about this message that there are so many things that we are very intentional about, and there's some things that we're not quite as intentional about. Let me give you an example. I would venture to guess that you were very, very intentional if you're married, especially if you're the lady in the marriage, planning your wedding. Very intentional. I'll bet it, unless you eloped, you probably took a lot, and maybe even then, you took a lot of time figuring out how to make that happen. You, you picked colors, and, and you picked venues, and you tried food, and you tasted cakes, and we had an almond amaretto cheesecake at our wedding. Oh, awesome. Incredible. I would venture to guess that you were more intentional planning your 45-minute wedding ceremony than you were planning for marriage. I'll bet you spent more time planning your wedding than you did getting yourself ready for what was going to happen after you said, I do. Is that interesting to you? And now we spend the rest of our lives trying to figure it out. I'll bet you, when you found out that you were going to have your first child, we, I found that out at my sister-in-law and brother-in-law's house. It was around the holidays, and we were getting ready to, to leave their home after having spent some time with them. And Beth said, hey, one more present. And I said, okay. And she and her sister came down with this little shoe. And I was like, thanks. You know, like, oh, oh, are you kidding me? Like, you know, all of a sudden you like freak out. And if you're like me and you're a guy, that's when you learn about a theme for a child's room. We were classic Winnie the Pooh. I've never seen more stuff and accessories that match in my life. Who would have known there could be a classic Winnie the Pooh lampshade for like $130, right? Very intentional about, about decorating our kids' rooms and, and, and getting it ready to, to bring our child home and, and thinking about names and how that all works. We, as a matter of fact, this is how intentional I was with it. Made a deal with Beth when we had a dog. I wasn't thinking forward enough. I was not intentional. I get to name the dog. She gets to name the kids. Seemed like a great idea before we had kids, right? <clears throat> And then you have more children coming out. By the time you get to your fourth kid, you're like, where are we going to put it? You got an empty drawer. Where are we putting the kit, right? But probably a lot less intentional about what it was going to take to be a good dad, to be a good mom, to raise these kids in a way that we would pass our heritage on. <clears throat> so today what I want to talk about, and my main thought is this, that we need to intentionally invest in the next generation, intentional with family. How are we going to do this? I want to share with you a few things. I I really believe that if we do not intentionally give them the right things, that it is highly possible that we will accidentally give them the wrong things. Would you agree? You need to be intentional. You need to think through this. I want to give you some examples of accidental messages because sometimes these things can be more hurtful than helpful. There's no doubt that I've done some of these things as a parent and as a mentor to the next generation. One of the things that we do is we give them vague praise. Vague praise. Have you ever done that? Everybody nod your head. Yeah. When you give vague praise, I have a core conviction that you are missing an opportunity to deposit a nugget of truth into your kid's heart and soul. For example, if you say, hey, good job. Good job. That's a nice thing to say, right? We all like to hear that. But wouldn't it be better if you stopped and said, 
hey, you know what? Good job. I just want you to know I noticed the way that you were talking to your mom and the way you talked to her was respectful. And I appreciate when you respect your mom that way. See how different that is than good job? Last week, um, many of you guys will know Dan and Colette. Dan plays the bass back here in Colette. She sings a lot for us. She's been with us since the very beginning of our church. She moved from Fort Collins to help Beth and I and our family get the church started. And they have a little guy. His name is Layden. Maybe you've seen him. He's at church a lot, right? And he knows where I keep the mints in my office. And so I'll usually come in here while they're warming up and grab little Layden because he's been sitting on the on the uh, platform up here watching mom and dad get ready <clears throat> for uh, the service. And so he's like, oh, he calls me Uncle Doug. Uncle Doug, can we go get a mint? And I said, sure. And so he grabbed my little finger and we were walking out the door. And about the time we got out the door ready to head into the office, he just randomly said, hey, Uncle Doug, how has your day at church been today? <laughs> I was like, Nobody asks me that, you know, like you're two. So I got down on my knee and I said, Layden, I know what you want right now is a mint, but what I want is to talk to you. And I turned him around and I looked him right in the eyes. And I said, Layden, listen to Uncle Doug. I want you to know that great leaders care about people. And when you asked me how my day was at church today, you were being a great leader because you were telling me you care about me. Don't ever forget that. And I'm sure he had no idea what I said. <clears throat> but I said it on purpose. Because if he hears that stuff enough, he's going to become a great leader that cares about people. I want to challenge you to think about the way that you give praise to the people that are part of your life. Think about the way you communicate to your kids. Don't just say good job because you miss opportunities. Sometimes we also give, we give our kids praise they don't deserve, don't we? And we need to be careful the way that we communicate. We'll say, you're the best in the world. That was the most amazing soccer playing I've ever seen in my life. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't, you know. Luke, my number two, is off at school in, in, in uh, Chicago. When he played soccer, when his first season of soccer, he drove me crazy. And I could not say that's the best soccer playing I've ever seen. But I could say, you have a great shadow that you follow around wherever you go, right? Which is not what a daddy wanted his kid to do. I wanted him to dominate, right? And he was doing pirouettes, chasing his shadow. We need to be careful, though, what we say to our kids. I do believe we need to be encouraging. Obviously, I just said that. But we need to be careful because if we're not, ultimately, we could cause more problems than we thought were possible because it could get to the place where they don't trust us because we haven't told the truth. And we need to be truth tellers. There's something that's happened in our culture lately, we see it on TV often, that helps communicate the importance of being a truth teller. Watch this video. I think I could be the next big thing. And when did you start in music? I was like 16, I started doing gigs. And do you think you can win? I'm sure, I'm sure. Come I'm on, sure. let's do this. I'm sure. <laughs> okay, what are you gonna sing for us? Uh, my own version of Alexander Burke, Hallelujah. Oh, great. Okay, good luck. Okay. Got a good voice. Yeah. Is it all really easy, the package? Very powerful. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah! 
Major Lee, the powerful key, composing, hallelujah, 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 a kitchen chair. She broke a foam and she cut your hair. I'm frozen. <laughs> it's not so one. You see the light. It's so cold. It's so broken. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Oh, Are you kidding me, right? Do you see where I'm going with this? Somebody needed to have an honest conversation with this child, right? There's got to be another gift besides that song right there. Someone need to tell them, not good. We have to be careful. We have to be careful because we want to be truth tellers to our kids as well. Sometimes, you know, we also give kids things they didn't earn. And there's a piece of that that I understand because we want to give kids opportunities that we never had, but we also don't want our kids to be spoiled, right? We want them to understand what hard work is all about. As a matter of fact, you talk to most employers today and they say it's getting more difficult to find employees that don't live with an entitlement complex or people that understand what it means to even work hard. We have a responsibility to hand things to our children. We also sometimes give them freedoms that they can't handle. Our culture is one that, no, that is known for that in significant ways. We say to our 8-year-old or 10-year-old or whatever, you can play that video game as long as you want. It's probably not healthy. We should be a little more creative as parents. Or you can have unlimited, unsupervised access to the internet on your tablet or your mobile device or a computer and we know there's a lot of stuff floating out on the world wide web that we do not want our kids to be looking at or learning or we send our 15 year old daughter on a car date with a walking hormone and say have fun (laughs) that ain't happening in my house I'm gonna guarantee you anytime Megan is going to go out on a date, that guy's got to come and talk to me first. And I require the same thing that my boys do with the girls that they're interested in dating, that they would go and talk to their daddies too. He's got to come and ask my permission first, and I'm never going to say, have fun. I'm going to say, you be bored. (laughs) You have a very dull evening and be back by nine, right? I'm exaggerating, kind of. If we're not careful, we give them freedoms that they're not mature enough to handle, and we can unintentionally give the generation that's coming behind us things that they're not ready for and things that can hurt them. So we can't be accidental. We're going to have to be intentional. How are we going to be intentional? And what are some things that we can invest into our kids, this main thought, intentionally investing in the next generation? And again, I want to remind you, it's not just, it's not just mom and dad's responsibility. It's not just your extended family's responsibility. It's not just grandma and grandpa. This is, this is important for all of us, and this needs to be a passion that we even exist as a church to be able to see come to fruition in the lives of those that we have influence on. And you know, it's interesting that as we live in this culture where families are more spread out than ever before, we have less 
family connect, if you have family that lives close, grandma and grandpa close, and aunts and uncles close, you're, you're, you're an anomaly in a lot of ways. That's why I believe another thing that's so important about the church family, that we can do life together, that we can, that we can be an influence on each other's kids. So this is for all of us. And if we look at this passage of Scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to intentionally invest in the next generation. And the, one of the ways that we can do that is by giving them a community that's worth having. A community that's worth having. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, there's two powerful things that are communicated in this very first verse talking about this whole passage about how we can invest in our kids and the next generation. Listen, O Israel, talking to the whole nation, the Lord is, and look at that pronoun, I love that pronoun, our, that's all of us, our God, the Lord alone. Basically, this is an important thing for us to understand. What they were saying here is that this is a national faith. We know that's not necessarily true in our nation. But these people, they rallied around this one true God. And as a community, a community of faith, we need our kids, we need the next generation to know that the family unit is not the only place where God is declared as being our God. That this is, that this is not just an individual faith, but this is something that we as a community believe. It's important for our kids to see that. In the Old Testament, the family was much broader than just the, the idea that we have of, of the family being who's under our little roof, our, our, our family with our little kids. It's much bigger, much broader. It, in, it included the whole community, even upwards to 80, 90, even 100 people in one little unit that they would consider their family. So community is vitally important. And you know, uh, diversity of voices saying the same thing, examples of living for God, extending beyond the immediate family is a sign of strength. Helps our kids understand that, that God is real. That God is not just something that their mom and dad talk about, not just the way that their parents and their grandparents and their aunts and uncles live, but also it's part of this community that we have together. We've worked hard as a family to be in relationship with some really incredible people that are as much family as anyone else that we know. Intentionally, because I want, I want my kids to have multiple voices speaking into their lives. Family and friends, many of them that my kids call uncle. You show me your friends, and we can probably get pretty close to starting to predict your future. We want to show a good example. This has to be intentional because a faith-filled community doesn't happen by accident. You see, the, the Bible teaches us to encourage one another, to be devoted to one another, to be accepting of one another, to be patient with one another, to forgive one another, to be kind and compassionate to one another, to submit to one another, and to pray for one another. And our kids need to see an example of that by being, us being in community with one another. That's the only way that that can happen. In order to do this, we have to have life with one another. This isn't just my faith. This is our faith. This is why we don't go to church, right? We are the church. We are the church. And when you pour your life into something, you have a community that's worth, that's worth having. And the next generation, they have to be overwhelmed thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to get criticized for my relationship with Jesus. I'm going to be misunderstood. People are going to look at me as though I'm different because you're going to stand out when you live for Jesus. But when we stand together because this is our faith, there's strength in numbers, isn't there? It's easier to walk as a young person into your school knowing that there are other people that have, share the same values and care about the same God that you do. 
it's easier to stand strong. Your strength in numbers. So we're going to encourage one another. We're going to pray for one another. We're going to stand by one another because we're going to intentionally invest in the next generation by giving them a community that's worth having. And I think I would be remiss again, and I know I'm speaking to the choir, but listen to me carefully. You have children, you have grandchildren, you have nieces, you have nephews. Work hard to get them involved. If it's not our church, get them involved somewhere. We're very intentional with our kids' ministry. Pastor Emily's done an incredible job, and she has amazing help. And many of you are sitting here today that are intentionally investing in our kids by giving them a community that's worth having, a place where the kids get excited to come. Make sure that you're taking full advantage of that. If you have teenagers, but we intentionally have invested in our staff and invested in training volunteers to be prepared, to be able to have a place, a community that's worth that's worth having if you're a kid, to be able to be cared for in a whole different kind of way. And so tonight again, our student ministry will meet. And if you didn't know they are, you need to be there. Young people, listen to me. Take the initiative here. Take the initiative. Surround yourself by people that are going to help you in your faith. The junior high students will gather at 5.30. And then at 6.45, our high school students will come and gather as well. I challenge you, invite a friend and come. There's a community that's worth having. Number two, a standard that's worth achieving. A standard that's worth achieving. Let's jump back into this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 5, and you're going to see a phrase that we've seen reemerge at several, several places all throughout Scripture. It's in the New Testament, in the Old Testament. It's things that Jesus said. You're going to see this here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, and you must love the Lord your God. Look at the standard. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Boy, that is, that is a serious standard. A standard that's worth achieving and our kids need to see that in us. Notice it doesn't say that you need to love God with part of your heart. It doesn't say love God for an hour on Saturday or Sunday. It doesn't say love God when it's convenient or when our friends aren't making fun of us, but this is a full-on, radical, 100% faith-filled, passionate commitment to Jesus. It's different. Our kids need to see that in you. They need to see your authentic pursuit of that. Does it mean you're perfect? Thank God it doesn't mean that because none of us are. A standard worth achieving and so all of a sudden we think about the way that we communicate with our kids and instead of saying, hey, go to school and do the best you can academically, we raise the bar and we say, when you go to school, listen, you're on mission from God. You have an opportunity to be an example and to be an influence in the lives of your fellow classmates, those that might suit up next to you athletically or in your extracurricular activity, and guess what? Also on your teachers. Live in a way that brings honor to your Jesus and let them see that in you. And I know you can do that because I see Jesus already working through you. Instead of saying, hey, let's go to church when we can, we say, you know what? You are the church. Let's go be with the church. Let's be involved together. I love when families serve together. Sign up to be an usher or a greeter or work in the parking lot. And they're out there together, working together, moms and and kids in the, in the children's areas, working in nursery or wherever, that just, that blesses me. Because it's helping pass something on to our kids that is so 
So important, loving God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength and committing yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. So we begin to think very carefully about how we can intentionally invest in the next generation because you and I both know it goes so fast. So fast. And so we need to live every day with some intentionality, understanding that we have a responsibility when it comes to passing our heritage and our faith on to our kids, we have to be careful. And finally, what we do is we give them not just a community worth having and a standard worth achieving, but a faith that's worth reproducing. A faith that's worth reproducing. And as this passage of Scripture continues, I love this part of these verses in Deuteronomy 6. Repeat them again, talking about this standard of loving Jesus. Repeat this again and again to your children. Talk about them. Now look at this. Talk to them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. I love the challenge. It just keeps continuing. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as a reminder. Write them on their doorposts of your house and on your gates. And some of you that are familiar with the Jewish community, you remember they put they put the gospel in a little box, or not the gospel, the, the Torah. They put it in a box and they wear it on their head. They wear it there. As kids, they're, they're required. I know this might surprise you. They're required to, to memorize the Torah. Not a couple good verses. Several books of the Bible they were required to memorize. Time on your hand. If you've ever been to Israel or seen someone of Jewish faith, before they begin their prayers, they, they will tie those things on their their bodies to remind them of the importance of Scripture. What does this mean when we, when we look at this? I, I can tell you, I remember my mom, she did this. She didn't tie the Bible on my head, but it was everywhere. I'd wake up in the morning, there'd be a different verse hanging on the mirror. Depending on what we were going through, my mom was looking up verses and writing them down on little pieces of paper and pinning them up all over the house where we would see them to remind us Jeez, there was one in the bathroom. A little plaque. All things work together for the good for those who love the Lord. Never forget it. Because every time I went to the bathroom, there it was. <clears throat> How are we investing in our, in our kids? How are we being intentional about passing our faith? We're going to talk about it at dinner time. We're going to talk about it at bedtime. We're going to pray about it with them. We're going to talk about it in the morning. We're going to Send them off to school being prayed for. We're going to talk to them on the way to soccer practice. We're going to talk to them on the way to dance recitals. We're going to, we're going to show our faith in everything that we do because we're going to be intentional. And you know, I do believe there's something in this passage of Scripture that you need to look at carefully. There are some times throughout the day where I think hearts are more tender. And one of them, if you're a parent or a grandparent or you've babysat, is when you put a kid to bed favorite time when they were little always get a chance to talk to them a little bit tuck them in and say a prayer for sure if you didn't read something as well and I remember one time with Megan when we first moved to Castle Rock she was just a little kid at the time I think she was in first grade and <clears throat> because of the way things worked with trying to sell our home in Fort Collins and moving here our house hadn't sold so we moved into the the condominiums that are just to the south of the skate park two bedrooms four kids and a dog and an extra teenager all together, right? And Megan was going to bed early in our window of that uh, room that they stayed in overlooked the skate park. And so we were getting ready to pray. And 
I got to admit to you that while I was praying, I was watching some dudes skateboard. And uh, a kid totally biffed it. And at the same time, in the middle of my prayer, we both went, oh. <clears throat> but you know, when you're praying, you can think strategically about the words that you're saying because the words of your prayers matter. And when you pray, you can be intentionally investing into your child as well. Think about that. Listen, even if you're a babysitter, you can do that. Can I pray for your kid before I put him to bed? Of course. Lord, help them to understand how much Jesus loves them. Help them to understand that Jesus is with them wherever they go. That when they're afraid, all they have to do is say a quick prayer and know that God's presence is right there with them. Maybe you know specifically something that that child in your life struggles with, so you're going to think carefully before you even get to the place of prayer time about what you can pray into their little minds and their hearts. Intentional investment. Helping them understand that our God is real. And here's the key. Above all else, if it's not real to you, the chances are that it's not going to be real to them. When they see our kids around us, that our faith is real to us, that it's not just motions that we go through or a box that we check on a weekly basis, but when they begin to see how passionate we are about Jesus, that we, that we live for him, they see you reading your Bible, they'll want to read their Bible as well. We don't try and impress them. We just do this with authenticity. And we talk to them about the good and the bad, the hard and the stuff that's fun. So that they understand that following Jesus isn't a fairy tale because authenticity trumps cool every time, every time. Authenticity. Boy, you know what? This is going to be a really hard day. I need Jesus today. Can you pray for me too? I love how my kids have begun to interact with me throughout the day. They'll text me and tell me they're praying for me now. It's a beautiful text to get. You see, if you live it, when they see you live it, when they see you faithful to the things that you say, then they're going to want to do that too. But if you're hypocritical, they are going to turn and run. It needs to be real. If you want them to be grounded in the Word, then we need to be grounded in the Word. If we want our kids to be people of prayer, then they need to see us constantly seeking God in prayer. If, they, if we want them to be at a place where they're able to share their faith wherever they go, then we need to be ready to share our faith wherever we go. If you want them to value corporate worship of God and using their gifts in and through the church, then they need to see us doing that. If we want our kids to be good stewards, then we need to be good stewards. If we want our kids to be generous, then they need to see us being generous. And listen carefully, if you want them to really, really love Jesus then you can never ever be perfect. But you can show them that you're in the process of being perfected. Let them see that in you. Just this week, we had an opportunity, I'm not going to get into all the details because that's not really what mattered, but we had an opportunity to be helpful to some people that needed some help. <clears throat> My kids were very excited about it because of relationship, and they knew when when this was going to be happening and when the gift would be recognized and they were really excited. I was, I was like a kid. They were like a bunch of kids. We were all really excited about the opportunity to help. <clears throat> and it just, just happened this week. It wasn't planned. I promise it wasn't planned. But it worked out so perfect. 
that after the whole thing went down, uh, my son Josh sent me a text message, and I took a screenshot out of it because I want you to see it. Look what he said. Hey, just wanted to say that I'm proud of you for what you did. This is my 20-year-old talking to me. That what you did for these people, you have a servant's heart, And I look up to you for a lot for that. And it wants me to be more like you. I love you. I I like that text. I want him to want to be like Jesus. So we work hard together for our kids to be able to see these kinds of things just coming out of us, that our relationship with God is not just something we talk about, but they can see tangible ways that we've made an expression of our faith because of the way that we live. And this is what makes an impact on our next generation. It helps us to live intentionally in a way that will make a difference because the greatest thing the church can do, that's us, is help our kids to understand what it means to love Jesus. Will you bow your heads for just a moment? Father, when we uh, share a message like this and are challenged by a message like this, lots of thoughts begin to hit our minds, and we do want to live a a relationship with you that is uh, in kind of embedded in the truths of Scripture in such a way that others will see the way we live, and we know ultimately that is living a life of priority with you first and, and really knowing you intimately, not just talking about you, not just coming to church, but really knowing you. And Lord, that then we would have intentionality with the, the family that you've blessed us with and the lives of others as well. And Lord, that that would give us influence on others, and that's what we want. We want to pass our heritage on to our kids, not so that they would have second generation or third generation faith, but that they would understand you for themselves. Father, I thank you for the kids that are part of our life here in this community, and Lord, specifically here in this church. And Father, will you help us to have your eyes for them? Encourage us to think of the words that we're saying carefully so that we could invest truth and life and relationship with you onto our children. We need you, Father. We love you. Thank you for the way that you love your kids. Help us to love our kids the same way. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, before we leave, I have a quick announcement that uh, I want to make. You know, we're talking about living beyond and what that looks like and the opportunity to, to uh, be prepared for what the future looks like and investing in the future. And I want to talk to you just very quickly about a transition that's taking place here at Plum Creek, it's something that we're very excited about, but it is going to be a change. And so I want to share this with you. Before I do that, I want to share with you an analogy that helps uh, you understand this transition that we're making. So when we first started this church uh, eight years ago or whatever it was now, I think something like that, we, uh, God blessed uh, me personally and blessed our church in significant ways with the staff that we have. And I intentionally hired multifaceted staff because when you first start anything, you need people that are good at lots of things, kind of like a basketball team. So here goes my basketball analogy. When you play basketball, the ebbs and flow of the game will require 
there to be movement, right? And so in a position that you normally would want your tall guy, sometimes you get a short guy in just because of the ebbs and flows of the game. You might end up defending or blocking out someone twice your size. If you're a good player, you can handle that. It's not the way it's going to be every play of the game, but those things happen throughout the course. So when you are putting together a basketball team, you want people that can dribble well and pass well and shoot well and block out and rebound and play good defense and all those things. And we still want that as a church. But as our church has grown, you've experienced it if you've been here a while since we've been in the building, we've more than doubled. We kind of need to make a transition in the way that we staff. And the way that we need to make a transition is that we don't now have the need for people to be such multifunctional because it t- the time demands to do multifunctional jobs are just not there anymore. It takes too much time because everything is bigger. And so instead of having multifaceted jobs, we have gone through a process since the early part of uh, 2015 to begin to just assess and kind of reorganize our staff, kind of long overdue, if I could be honest with you, and that's my fault. Uh, A lot of things going on. So in our process of doing that, we've really realized that we need specialists now. I need long snappers. I need a left tackle. We need offensive players and defensive players. So things have changed. And so at the beginning of the year, we had a conversation about this. And again, I want to tell you, we have such awesome, awesome, multifaceted uh, staff members. And, you know, we, for all intents and purposes, have really had incredible blessing to keep our staff together. We love each other. We do life together. And I can tell you, it's a lot of fun. It's hard, but it's a lot of fun to work here. Stephen, come on up here, is one of the most gifted guys that I've ever met in my life. And that is true. Not only that, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Not only that, but um, he's, he's uh, one of my best friends. And so we're making a transition here at Plum Creek. Before I tell you what we're doing, I want you to know that we would not be sitting in this building if it wasn't for him. And that's a weird worship guy. <clears throat> that's a multi-gifted worship guy that can do all kinds of different things besides just sing incredibly and organize and put teams together and help me plan weekend services. He's financially minded. He knows more about building stuff than anybody I know. If I need to build something, he's there. And uh, he worked with our architects. He worked with real estate agents, he worked with our bank, he worked with the contractors, he worked with subcontractors to keep everybody, like, that's just who Stephen is. He's good at so many different things. He started a lot of what we have today because he's a structure guy. So I told Stephen at the beginning of 2015 that we were needing to make a change and we were going to have to specialize just a little bit more. And so we began to talk about this process and we're making a transition here at Plum Creek and we're going to be looking for a new worship leader. We're going to look for a new worship pastor because uh, in the conversation with Stephen, he told me, you know what, Doug, I don't want to just do that. And he understands that we need someone to work 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours. No, I'm just kidding. A week to make this even better. And uh, I, can, I can tell you, too, that I'm super proud of where we are as a church in the area of our worship. I'm super, last week was fun because Stephen was coming home from assignment that I sent him on to, fill, to the Philippines to check out a potential partner that we would partner with in missions and so he came and he was sitting about right over there where Bob and Kato are right now. And uh, we watched together what Stephen has helped build take place. And he wasn't even on the platform that weekend. Awesome. So proud. So proud of what, what uh, God has done. But we're making a transition. And I wanted Stephen to have a chance to talk to you about that just a little bit for you to hear his heart. And the good news is this. He's going nowhere. We're not letting that. Everybody's like, oh, thank God, right? Yeah, well, good, good. I hope you feel that right now. That's awesome. And, and for those of you that don't know, he actually works here. 
He's on staff here. People say that all the time to us. So what do you do the rest of the week, right? People say that often. So Stephen, just share a little bit about what you're going to be doing in this transition. <clears throat> so yeah, I'm just, I am really super excited. And, uh, you know, God is always doing things in our lives. And, and the big thing is that we're listening to him and listening to what he's having us do. And so I feel really blessed that God has gifted me in certain ways and uh, that now I'm going to be able to continue to use some of those gifts that God has given me. Yeah, sure, I love to sing. I've done it since I was a little bitty, bitty kid. Um, and, you know, there'll be opportunities for that. But what I'm really excited about is seeing God made great at Plum Creek, for him to continue to be made great and to be just a little part of that. And so... Um, I'm going to get to oversee all of the finances for the church and continue to uh, help with the budgeting process across all of our departments, do all those types of things, um, as well as help with everything with the current building, but also all future building stuff. So if we have to do an addition here, I'll help oversee that. If we decide at some point to move into satellite campuses, those types of things, I would oversee that. Um, I'll, I'll be working with our missions team, and uh, I'm a son of a missionary. And uh, there's only a few things in my life that really kind of crank me up. And missions is, is one of those things that I am super fired about and super passionate about. And uh, as Doug mentioned, just got back from the Philippines. And uh, to see some just ripe opportunities there that we'll be able to roll in and make an unbelievable eternal impact. Um, is is going to be incredible. And then I'll get to continue to uh, serve as one of the um, guys that helps manage our staff in an executive role. And so I'm just really excited about what is ahead of us. Um, I truly believe this, that the best is yet to come. We can look across this room this morning at nine o'clock and see 500 adults sitting here and, and it's awesome. But this isn't it. This isn't the end all. The end all is that this entire world would know Jesus yeah. and would hear about him. And that includes 87% in Castle Rock that have yet not gone to a church, that aren't attending a church. 87%. That's crazy. Folks, we're not done. And so let me encourage us all. Let's be about the Father's business. And I'm excited to be uh, a small part of that here at Plum Creek. A couple things, a couple things that you need to know. First of all, when you, we make an announcement like this, it's not, it's not unlikely for people who have been around the church world for a while, I get it to go, what's the backstory? <laughs> right? Here's what I can promise you. I'm a truth teller, always have been, and there is no backstory. What you heard today is absolutely the story. And I need someone to focus. We need someone to focus on this area with full-time energy. And uh, Stephen doesn't want to do that. And uh, it's not that he doesn't love music. He will still sing, trust me. Uh, and he, here's the other thing you need to know. Stephen's going to help us find the next worship pastor. Because like, I, I watch these guys like you just saw a little bit earlier, and they say things about the way, and I know he's bad. Like, I get that. We're not in that much trouble, right? But I have no idea when they, Stephen and I and others, uh, Jonathan and others, our staff have already begun to search for our new worship pastor. And We'll watch videos of these uh, individuals that are potential candidates leading, and I'm like, sounds okay. He's like, oh, the top range is not right, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, top range, yeah, sounded horrible, <laughs> right? Like, so I would be foolish if I didn't have uh, Stephen's help in doing this. So we're going to work hard together to be able to uh, provide the very, very best that God, can, that God can lead us to. And here's what we need to do together. Can you commit this, to this with me? Will you pray with us? This is an important hire for us as a church. 
And uh, we really want to do this well. And uh, we want to we be known for the way that we corporately worship and how that translates into a life of worship. And so pray with us. I would even encourage you to pick a day throughout the course of the week where you may fast your lunch or fast your breakfast and spend some time praying with us that God would provide uh, his very best for us as we move forward. So, Stephen, oh, one more thing. The timing of this was not planned. I wish that we could say we were that good. But next week, we're starting a series called Why We Sing. (laughs) And uh, we actually have a guest next week who's a very dear friend of mine who's a worship leader in Rockford, Illinois. And let me make one other thing clear. He is not a candidate for this position. Uh, Once you hear him, you'll understand he's incredibly gifted at what he does. He's at a huge church in Rockford. And we have had this planned for a long, long time. It just works out this way. Appropriate. It'll be appropriate. Uh, but uh, he's not a candidate. Stephen, will you pray for us as we wrap it up? So, Father God, thank you so much for this day. It's an awesome day that you've made, and we rejoice in it. We give you glory. We give you praise. We give you honor. And God, for each one of us individually, God, may you continue to guide us, direct our path, Lord, and may we be faithful to follow you, Lord, with our whole heart, our whole mind, and all of our strength, God. We love you. Thank you. Keep us safe, Lord, as we go from this place today. We love you. Amen. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, congratulations. We are so excited for you, and we'd love to equip you with some resources, some next steps, and a complimentary gift. Just text the word FAITH to 40650. And if today you just need to talk to someone or would like to have someone pray with you, you can call our church office at 303-663-1714, and one of our pastors would be happy to spend some time with you. From everyone here at Plum Creek, have a great day.